supernatural church. Everybody say the supernatural church. You know, um, we can have church and come together and, and bless each other and uh, go home and just leave it there. Or we can become that living uh, church in the earth that brings life everywhere we go. I mean, we can actually enjoy it just for ourselves or we can begin to be someone who lets that river flow out of us. And today I believe the river is going to flow in us. And then as we leave here, it will flow through us. And so that's my prayer for everybody today. The, the title of this message is Empowered to Give. Everybody say Empowered to Give. And uh, you can rest assured we're not taking a second offering, so we're going to talk about giving today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some people get real nervous when they hear give. That means we're going to talk about finances. But I want to tell you something. Unless you teach people the whole gospel, they will be poor. They will be poor. They will be poor not just in their ability to succeed you know, in walking in peace and joy and love and all those things that the Holy Spirit wants to flow through us. But we will be poor financially. And the churches remain poor far too long. Far too long. It's like, oh, don't get in the church. I mean, those people are poor. It's kind of like going to MCL cafeteria. And I have nothing against that. I go there. But everybody in there is as old as me. <laughs> or older. I went there the other night with my folks, and I thought nothing's changed. I don't know why the food is good, but only the older people go there. And, and of course, they're all there between four and six, you know, and I'm there too. Hallelujah. So I'm not throwing stones. <clears throat> but, you know, some things are just the that's the, you know, that's, that's the way it is. Well, I'm telling you, the kingdom of God, this is a living church. This is a church that's alive. This is a church, and I'm not talking about Victor Christian Center. I'm talking about the church as a whole. The church was empowered in the new covenant to do the works of the ministry, empowered to do it. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you, you have to be somebody on the outside. It means you have to be everything on the inside that has to do with the kingdom of God. And as that happens, you're changed or transformed on the outside, how many of you look a little different than you did before you got saved? You know, my sister carries around pictures sometimes with her to show people <laughs> what I used to look like before I got the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God it doesn't even look like me anymore. I think it looks like she's just picked somebody's picture. But it was me, depressed, sad, you know, never smiling, never any joy, always thinking somebody surely is going to make my life better for me. <laughs> by tomorrow, I hope. And, you know, looking at all the things on the outward. But God changed me on the inside. And when he changed me on the inside, the outside became an expression of that. So as he's changing us on the inside, we should become more and more like Jesus. More and more like our Father. We are daughters. We are sons because of what Jesus did. And if you'll turn to John, you all know this scripture, John 3, 16. We're going to look at a few scriptures. And then I want to share with you this morning a little bit more on just giving what God gave you. And it says in John uh, three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. Everybody say he gave. His only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you look at Jesus, you know, he went to the cross. And at one point, I think it was Pharaoh who said to him, don't you realize I have the power to, to take your life? And he said, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't have any power to take my life. I am laying down my life. And if I weren't willing to lay it down, you couldn't take it. 
That's a good scripture for us to look at because as he is, so are we in this world. And this is what Jesus said in John 10 when he was talking about what a good shepherd he was. He said, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. In other words, I'm not really going to die. I'm going to lay down my life, but then I'll take up this place in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and I'll be there forever interceding for all the church. It doesn't say that right there, but it says it in other places. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down. I myself, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. So Jesus gave his life. He wasn't forced by his father to give it. He had the power to lay it down or he had the power to take it back up again. It was his choice whether he went to Calvary. That's why we see the story in the Garden of Gethsemane where he wrestled with that. Do I go or do I, Lord, is it, if it's your will, if, if there be any other way, if, if this doesn't have to happen, let it be that way. But if not, if not, then I'll go to the cross. And, of course, he did. So he gave his life. In John 4.10, when he encountered the woman at the well, how many of you know that story of the woman at the well? She was a Samaritan woman, and the Jews really didn't associate with the Samaritans. But Jesus was at this well, and he said to her, give me a drink. And, uh, and then Jesus answered her because she said to him, why are you talking to me? We don't have anything to do with each other, the Samaritans and the Jews. And I'm a woman. And, of course, a man wouldn't really be asking a woman much of anything in that day. So in, in reference to this, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, everybody say the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everybody say living water. We're going to talk about that today because God in this service, I believe, is going to show us how to live in the river of transformation that he has put on the inside of us. And the key to that is giving. Everybody say giving. giving. You know, when we have a need, we tend to want to hold up and start looking inward. And it's the opposite in the kingdom of God. It says in the, in the Bible, in Isaiah, that, that, that Jesus uh, would be like the head of the government or the government would be on his shoulders. That government is the government of the kingdom of God. And so when we are born again, we live under a different government rule. Now, that's not to say that we don't abide by the rules of the land. Jesus said to his disciple, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And I want to tell you, there was taxation in that day. There will always be taxes. Turned here and said, neighbor and said, oh my. <laughs> but Jesus' focus was not on what the earthly government could do. It was upon what the kingdom government could do. And he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. You know, we've got so much focus today on the government and taxes and all these things. If, if all of the world turned their focus on Jesus, we wouldn't even have a problem. We would not be having to have all these meetings and all of these laws and all these rules because we would become like him and we would become givers. Everybody say givers. And when we become givers, there's life that flows out of giving. And so when, he, when Jesus called the church into action or he called his disciples into actions in Matthew 10, 7 and 8, he spoke to them about what they were supposed to do. And I don't believe any of this has changed for us. It says, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everybody say, that's a different set of rules. 
different set of rules, different set of regulations, if you want to call it that. There's, this is the kingdom of grace. Everybody say grace. That's undeserved, unmerited favor. And that's what Jesus loosed on the earth when he died on Calvary. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Now, I'm sure all of you have done that this week in some way. It's pretty silent in the house. Hallelujah. Is this an assignment? Is this what he said to his disciples? Preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Wow. Then he says, freely you've received, freely. Well, you can't give what you've not received. And he said to them, this is what has been put in you. You are capable of this. Isn't that awesome? Now, see, a lot of people are wrestling all kinds of strongholds and things, even in your own family, situations and circumstances. You know, we have, we have the power of God to direct our household. We do. We have the power of God. We have authority over our children. You know, we have authority over the things that come against our children. Authority over children isn't so you make them slaves in your house. Authority over children means you have the ability to raise them for the glory of God and see that they have every single thing they need of to become that. Which is, you are going to cast, cast out a few devils. Amen? I don't mean your children are demon-possessed, but I'm telling you, they are under the influence, just like you are in the world, and their brain does not have the capacity that your brain has. You know, a lot of people... Uh, I don't think understand that really until a person is like 18, 19, 20, 21, there are books written about this. There's a part of their brain that's not developed to really make decisions the way they need to make decisions. Now that doesn't mean they don't think they know everything. How many of you have ever raised a teenager? <laughs> Hallelujah. But, but God in his infinite wisdom says the same thing about us. He put the Holy Spirit in us, and so as we receive the Holy Spirit, there's the capability to do all these things, but there's going to be a growth in the process of doing those things. But if we never get started, we're never going to get to the end product. We're never going to be doing what God has asked us to do. And so as a believer, as a believer in this earth, we have been given everything, it says in Second Peter, that pertains to life and godliness. Second Peter chapter 1. That means there is nothing that we cannot handle in this life and beyond that cannot overcome. Amen? So if you're sitting here today, this is going to be a message that will be, it, it's, it's kind of like, say what? This is what we got to do to get there? Yes. God gave his only begotten son. He had to give before he could receive you. He had to give. He freely gave his son, and now freely, everybody say freely, freely, he can receive every one of us. There's no, nothing we have to pay, no price. Just receive what Jesus did, and it, we have been made free. We are free to be who God made us to be. He whom the son sets free is free indeed. It's a free gift. Everybody say a free gift. And so when Jesus said to that woman at the well, if you knew who you were talking to, You'd ask me to give you a drink because this gift, this gift of water is going to be living in you forever. You heard that old song, Spring Up, O Well, Within My Soul? You know, I think if God ever 
sprung up the spirit, none of us would be able to know what to do. We would be jumping and shouting and praising God because inside of us is a power that when we release it, when we give, the Bible says it will come back to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And a lot of people have just shunned that, that verse because, well, you know, that's, that's not really going to happen. And, and it, God isn't always talking about money. God isn't always talking about money, but God does talk about money. Hallelujah. And so this giving is not just healing, not just casting out devils. It's not all of those things. Thank God for all those things. If you've ever had to use them and you know you needed them, aren't you glad when God showed up? How many of you have ever had to cast the devil out of a situation? How many of you have ever had to speak over things and believe and stand for those things, but you speak with confidence because you know the word is true? Freely I have received, freely I give. And we, be, we begin to see that the things that we're doing, we are giving. You know, we spend so much time thinking about fighting the enemy that we don't see it as giving for God into the kingdom of heaven that's on earth. We are called to bind and loose. My husband says that all the time. He sits in front of the TV, and when people talk, he binds what they say. Now, we're not letting any medical people in or psychiatrists because they would wonder about him. But in the kingdom of God, everybody say, in the kingdom of God... God is working with his words. God will work with your words. And if there's ever been a day where the church needs to rise up and begin to give this living water that is on the inside of us, it is today. It, there's an empowerment in us to change what is going on around us. And if we don't get a revelation of this, I want to tell you, the president can't change this. And none of his helpers can change this. None, nobody in this earth has the knowledge to stop what has happened in this earth. There is one answer to the situation we're facing in this world, and it is Jesus. Amen. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who, when he lives in us, changes the world. That's the only way to change the world. And so if we become this giver, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, it says in James 5, and I want you to listen to this scripture. Kelly gave this one yesterday. And it, it, I want to start in verse 14. It says, is any among, one among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. The prayer of faith. Well, every one of you can operate in the faith that brings these things to pass. And if he has committed sins, listen to this, he will be, he will be forgiven. In, in the book of John, when Jesus was uh, about to, to depart or he had died and he was, you know, going to depart and go to heaven, it says in the book of John that we are commissioned, everybody say commissioned, commissioned to go to people and it talks about forgiveness which you know sometimes we don't think about this but if somebody's not forgiven of their sins then hell is their final destination that's a pretty serious situation and if this is what jesus said he said to them breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit everybody say the holy spirit, holy spirit. if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven them everybody say that's awesome power See, we have people say, well, who do you think you are, God? No, I'm not God, and I'm not Jesus, but there's a living river that flows through me that when I pray and believe and agree with the kingdom of God, this can be done in your life. I'm telling you, it's an awesome, 
responsibility that God has given the church. But he has not given it to us without the power to cause it to come to pass. And as we become givers, how many of you think a giver would look unusual in the world today? Everything is about taking right now. Taking or getting or protecting uh, whatever belongs to us. When you have the attitude of giving, you, you understand that you've already been given to. <laughs> that makes you a giver. Freely you have received, freely give. And so whatever you give will never cause you lack because you've already received. And whatever you've received, there's more of it. But, but, but we have to release it. And the way you release abundance in any area of your life is to give. It's to look out for the other person more than ourselves. It's to do whatever God tells us to do, no matter what we see or what we feel. I'm telling you, this is a whole new life to live. And I know earlier, uh, I think somebody asked about earlier in the service about something that would, I can't remember the exact words Allie said. It was in the scripture that Kelly gave and, you know, about praising God and, and, and how many of you are excited about this and, and really are willing to do this? And I was thinking, ah, they haven't heard the message yet. Better sing this song at the end. Hallelujah. We'll start over from the top. I tell you, in the second service, when the worship team comes back to worship again after hearing the word, it changes the entire worship. Y'all need to stay around and go through worship one more time. Because after you've heard the word of God, then that word that's in that worship really grabs a hold of you. By the second service, everybody's a preacher. Hallelujah. I love it. It's really great. Okay, so this is what it says in Malachi. Now, you know, this is the part about giving. And, you know, if you have a problem with giving financially and what all that means, then I pray today your ears will be open to what God is really saying here. When God says, will a man rob me? And you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. The reason he's talking about this is because it causes them to live in poverty. Not because he's mad because they didn't bring their money. It's an issue of poverty. Everybody say poverty. Now, poverty simply means that you live at the lowest level of life. You can live there because of you don't have any peace. You can live there without joy. Those are lowest levels of life. So poverty isn't just money. Poverty means a lack of whatever causes you to live life above rather than beneath, basically. And how many of you want to live in poverty? We don't live in poverty. The church is not in poverty. And this is what he said. You're cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What was the reason for the giving? So that the work of the kingdom of God could go on. It wasn't about God needing a new shirt in heaven. Hallelujah. It's not about God needing money. It is the process by which the church is enriched. Amen? Now, I, the law of reciprocity, and I'm ahead of myself a little bit in my message, is that there's always something that happens. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. If you give, you will receive. It's a biblical principle. It's set in the earth. It doesn't matter what it is. When Noah... Uh, was coming out of that boat, God caused him to have a sacrifice. And he said, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. It's a biblical principle. It works. But God is a sower. God sowed Jesus into the earth. And he reaped the harvest of all of us. Now, you may say, wow, 
Who would want all of us? Well, you know, I'm sure Moses felt that way. He talked about it. Who would want all these people? But God is a deliverer. God wants us to live in that kind of a place. And as long as the church has a mentality of this is, this is just how it is, then we're going to live in just how it is. And that's called poverty. Everybody say poverty. It's a poverty mentality. He says, bring it all in here and try me in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Do you know how far in debt the United States of America is? Do you know the church has the ability to get them out of that? (laughs) We don't get this yet. The church, the people of God... Have a way to release into the earth the abundance that needs to happen. You know how they get it? They give it to heaven. Because out of heaven comes the multiplication. There is no multiplication in the bank. The interest rates for saving money are not there. God multiplies what's given. See, when we wake up to the fact that we have been given dominion over the earth... But it is in this process of giving. And so it goes on and it says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. If nothing else, the devil won't be able to touch your stuff. How many of you are ready to volunteer for that? Because that's, you know, that's what we see. He's a robber. He's a thief. He steals from us as much as he can. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor the vine, uh, nor shall the vine uh, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, all of these are... A part of Luke 6.38. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Will. Will. Will who? Will who? Men give unto you. I'm telling you. We have authority and dominion in this area. But the reason the church is poor financially. And I believe in most areas is because we do not believe that when we tap into this, what will happen? Because when we tap into it, the enemy will resist you in this area more than any other. Giving is a worship to God no matter where we do it. And so I want to I share this with you because this story is really a, a great story. In Romans 13.8, on my way to 2 Corinthians, it says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. How many of you love people and would love to give them what they have need of when you see them lacking? Amen? And the Bible says, oh man, no man, nothing except to love him. When the river of love is flowing, there's an abundance to take care of everything. I believe God wants to put that in the church. I I, I don't believe he wants to use welfare. I believe he wants to use the church. I look at the book of Acts. And people who were in need, their needs were supplied by the church, by other people in the church. So they have to have to give. Have you figured that out? I mean, no matter how bad you want to give to somebody, if you don't have it, you can't give it. And and I, I, I have... I've experienced people over time that God has placed tremendous abundance in their life. But because they don't have this revelation, they begin to hold it. And they become fearful. Everybody say fearful. And they become ensnared by fear so that they cannot let it go. The enemy is an excellent, an excellent intimidator in this arena. But when people let it go, it brings a river back of the same abundance in that area. Oh, no man anything except to love him. How do you do that? By letting go in every area of your life by being a giver. I'm not just talking about money. 
But again, poverty, I want to uh, read to you. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians, and uh, we're going to be here probably till the end of this message because I want to make sure I leave time today to pray for you at the end. It says in 2 Corinthians, and I'm looking at chapter 8. How many of you have heard the scripture, be a cheerful giver? In fact, John just said it today. I, I never really got the understanding of that till a couple of weeks ago when I was reading in the Word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he's saying to them uh, about that offering, <laughs> about that offering that a year ago you were going to send, uh, you haven't sent it yet. Uh, the people in Macedonia, and, and see, the, the, the people, <laughs> they were in Greece, the, the people at Corinth were in Cassia, and, and there was kind of a, a, a competition between the two of them. So he used that to say, the people in Macedonia who are very poor, they don't have as much as you, already have their offering ready. But you guys that said a year ago you were going to give, and I went there and bragged about you and said, oh, you, listen, they've got a big offering, you know, to help us in Jerusalem. And, and I'm paraphrasing. You won't read it just this way in the Bible. But he, so he's saying, you know, he's kind of bringing them to a, uh, a come-to-Jesus meeting. Have, have any of you ever had a come-to-Jesus meeting? And this is where, you know, the, the revelation of this, and he's imploring them, it says, uh, that they would get their gift ready. Get their gift ready. And uh, he says, you abound in many things, in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 8, you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us. See that you abound in this grace also. Everybody say, the grace of giving. <laughs> He was talking about giving. He said, you're going to miss a part of what God has got for you if you don't get this. And so he goes on and he talks to him about it, talks about how Jesus became poor, that through his poverty, and the poverty there is his selflessness, his, his willingness to lay down his life to give. Poverty, he took it to the lowest level. You know, it says he humbled himself and became as a man. Even though he, could, he was God himself, he didn't consider himself equal with God. In other words, he put himself in that position in order that we would be rich. I had to sing that song today because the church needs to get a re revelation of that. Let the, rich man, let the poor man say, I am rich in him. Let the dead man say, I am born again. There's a purpose for that. And so he's calling them to remembrance of this. And then finally, it gets into verse 9. And just before he says he loves a cheerful giver, it says in verse 5, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And I want to tell you, I would say in the church, oftentimes when it's time for the offering, it becomes a grudging obligation instead of a cheerful generosity. Everybody say generosity. And that's only because people have seen the offering that comes into the church as the church trying to get money. I want to tell you, if nobody gave in this church, if God wanted this church, he'd find a way to make it happen. But we all have the privilege of being a part of what God's doing. It's you who will be blessed by giving more than anybody else. Because as you give, it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's no different that when we enter into worship and you get in his presence, you receive things in the worship. You'll receive as you give. And so Paul's saying that to these people. He's saying, then so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a 
cheerful giver. A cheerful giver says, I understand why we're doing this. And this is exciting. We're going to be a part of what God's doing. And then it goes on and, and talks about, listen to this, God is able. Everybody say, God is able. To make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. How many of you know that the attitude we do things in has a great deal to do with the outcome of what we receive? And so God is, God is helping these, these people in the Corinthian church to say, this offering that you, didn't, you, know, you haven't given for a whole year... Uh, we've sent people to help you get it together because as you do this, God in his grace is going to increase you in this arena and you're going to have more than enough. It goes on and says he supplies the seed for the sower. In other words, he gives us everything we have. He, su- he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supplying and multiplying the seed you have sown and the increase of the fruits of your righteousness. So as we b- learn to become a giver, God in his mercy and his love for us, it's the thing that releases the flow of giving back into our lives. How many of you have needs in here this morning? Whatever that need is, go find somebody to give what you lack. Give what you lack. I mean, I have people sometimes say to me, well, nobody spoke to me in church. Supposed to be Christians. I was there. You say it's love, acceptance, forgiveness. Nobody spoke to me. I said, did you speak to anybody? Well, no. I don't speak till I'm spoken to. Well, you're dead. Aren't I a nice preacher? I mean, you're not going to have any life. Because it's a biblical principle. Give, and it shall be given. If you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. See, we get all of that, and we get happy about that because that's going to bless us. And we see it. But when God says, just give your tithe, that means we haven't seen it yet. Because once you see it, you say, oh, yeah, and how much more do you want? What else do you want? (laughs) Here, take it, because I'm expecting that there's a whole lot more coming, and you're going to give it to me so I can help you, God, do what you're going to do. I'm empowered to give. Hallelujah. And so money is coming to me. You you hear these preachers on TV, and people go, ooh, because they don't have any money, and they're never going to have any money because the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required, and to who, he who has much, more will be given. Why? Because people get a revelation. It's just good business in the kingdom of God. Don't people want business sense in the world? I'm telling you, this is the kingdom of God principle. Give. And the main thing that we give is life. Everybody say life. life. How many of you know the world needs life in the area of their finances? I'm telling you, God is going to pour out abundance. Pastor Billy Joe says in Romans, when he does a commentary on that, Romans, oh, no man, anything but to love him. There's going to be such abundance poured out on the church that the main thing we're going to have to work at is not getting into a position where we're spending it all before we find out what God wants to do with it. And we're still in debt. Everybody say, still in debt. The principle of don't spend more than you make is really God. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's a God revelation. But God is going to pour out an abundance on the church. It's in the word of God in the last days. God will pour out an abundance on the church. It's going to come. The righteous are going to receive. The righteous are going to receive. But this is the purpose. We have to understand we're empowered to give. In other words, we're blessed to be a blessing. And this is what Jesus said. If you go back to John chapter 4 and we'll finish here. It says in John chapter 4. 
And uh, I just want to read this, and then I want to pray for you today. There is a river in everybody who knows the Lord. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new. When Jesus spoke and he said, if you knew who you were talking to, if you knew what I had. In the old covenant, God's Holy Spirit was there, but it was not living in men. Jesus is the one that when he died, God himself came to live in man every man. And so out of us flows this river. And this is what Jesus said. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Because he said to her, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. That's in every arena, church. That's in love. That's in peace. That's in joy. That's in finances. You will never thirst again. That means you will never be without something to to quench that thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Inside of every one of you today is a river. All of you who know Christ. And the, the release of that river, you know, some people say, well... You know, I don't believe in, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, the Bible, this is what Jesus said in John 7. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirst, is that that same word again? Thirst. Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive For the Holy Spirit was yet not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Spirit was not given to men until Christ died. But now, the Holy Spirit is in us. And there is a river. When we ask you to hold hands in this church at the beginning of this service, some people say, ooh, you know, I don't like holding other people's hands. I'm not that kind of person. I want to tell you, you have a river in you. And you know what we're asking you to give, do right off in this service? give see we're being a little tricky about it but we're doing it for this reason we believe when you give you open up the river to flow back into you it says in james 5 that our prayers are effectual and fervent and that when we pray things happen we ask you to pray and we ask you to hold hands so that you can release Whatever's holding you, because it says when you pray for others, you will be healed. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.